Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of The Close-Up, a part of the Orlando Magic HQ Network. Today, we got a really fun episode. We got my good friend Richard Stamen joining the show of Mavs Draft, founder of MavsDraft.com and host of Locked On NBA Big Board with Locked On Network. Richard, how you doing, man? I uh, You just got back from the Orlando Magic versus the Mavericks uh, uh, game, and you're a fan of both teams. So like, how you feeling? You calm down? Your emotions a little high, a little low? I the Mavs draft bowl was intense. Obviously, anticipating, so I didn't really know what to expect. And everyone asked me, like, who are you rooting for? And usually, most years it's easy. Like, the Mavs generally have been the better team over the last ten years, so Correct. it's easy. I'm like, yeah, the Mavs need the win. Magic are trying to tank. Not this year. And I haven't adapted to the Magic being good. And in my head, I'm like, okay, like I'm just happy to be here. But then when the Magic blew the 16-point lead, I was like, at halftime, I was so confident. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm wearing, like, I'm wearing a Magic shirt. Like, I, I was, you know, I, I, it's a one chance a year. But every single play, I was like, yeah, you know, the clap and whatever, being a fan for every play either side. But with uh, <laughs> when it got to 16 at half, I was like, okay. I mean, Dallas will put up a fight. They always do this. They get close. They never pull it off. Then they pulled it off, and I just I was in disbelief. I really thought Franz hit that shot at the end too. I was stressed out. Like that was a tough, tough game. Like they, we'll get into the weeds of it, but I am not recovered. It's it's tough because also like you're you 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 go through the emotional roller coaster of that game. It's close. It comes down to the wire, and then you're rushing home, shoving food down your face to then hop on a podcast immediately and talk about it. So like. Adrenaline at full force makes perfect sense. Um, well, dude, before we get into it, and, and listeners, we got we got a great show coming up for you. You know, we're gonna get into this Magic uh, Maverick game where the Mavs, or, you know, where the Magic lost in a in a really close game. We're gonna get into some other topics like Cole Anthony. Is this the player he currently is? Um, and then just some more other broad general season thoughts about the trade deadline and, and roster issues and stuff like that. But before we get into that with Richard, just want to remind you guys of a couple of things. All right. Um, first and foremost, if you're on Instagram, go check out our page and go check out our Instagram subscription program. Uh, it's $5 a month to join that five bucks just comes back 
to us, it helps us make this program better, make all of our programs better, and helps us do more giveaways for things, you know, jerseys, hats, jackets, all sorts of fun uh, magic-related things. Um, it gets you into our group chat. It gets you into uh, discounted home game t- tickets. We The Magic just released another group of home game tickets for up to 20% off for uh, our subscribers. Um, we do private, uh, you know, group chat conversations, and then we do exclusive posts and, and reels and stories and stuff just for you all. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So think about joining that. Um, also, this podcast is presented by Bet Online. It's playoff time, and the road to Vegas goes down through San Francisco and Baltimore. Bet Online is your number one source for the for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. Um, Richard, are you a gambler? You're muted, my brother. So sorry. I, yeah, I realized. You're, you're good. No. <laughs> yeah, no, I, so, I used to, but not like anything intense. If you were to gamble, bet online's the place to do it. But like, where where are you leaning for the Super Bowl now that we know? Are you going Baltimore? Are you going San Francisco? Kind of. My gut your heart says at? Kansas City. Or sorry, Kansas City, not Baltimore. No, no, no. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> my gut says Casey because you can't doubt Mahomes. But my gut's been really wrong lately, so I'm going to go San Francisco. I'm going to go full Costanza and uh, go the opposite. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I. I'm in the Bay, so I kind of got to go San Francisco. Um, that's where I put my money on right now. I, I was thinking the Lions were going to get there, but they 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 lost. San Francisco beat them out in a tough game, so that's where I would go. Um, and if I were to make this bet, I would just simply go to Bet Online. Uh, so for all you listeners, head over to Bet Online today to stay up to date on all the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, and the last thing, this podcast is presented by Believe Podcast Network. We're stoked to be a part of them. Um, all right, Richard, we've gotten all that out of the way. Uh, we're stoked to do all that stuff, but but now's the nitty gritty time. Now's where you and I get to have a conversation about this magic team, this basketball, the game that just went on. So I just want to set the table for a second, right? So the Magic lost to the Dallas Mavericks in a two-point game. It came down to the final couple of minutes. Some big shots being made, three-pointers going back and forth with Franz and Luca, Paulo doing Paulo things. Um, and then it came down to the fouling game, the last not last minute or so, and and trying to trap players and force turnovers and ultimately just you know hoping someone's gonna miss a free throw. Um a couple of other things. Magic were shooting hot this game. They they shot forty eight percent from three, which is a rarity for this team. The 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 Mavs also shot forty seven percent from three. Um, the Magic won all three. They won three out of the four quarters. They won the first quarter. They won the second quarter. They blew the third quarter by only scoring twelve points compared to yeah. the Mavericks thirty five. But then again, they won the fourth quarter. So really, like, we'll get into it. But I just kind of wanted to lay all that out there. When I say all this to you. What are like some of the bigger moments and things that have stuck out with this game? You being there live in person, um, you know, again, being a, a really big Orlando Magic fan, but also living in the area and being a really big Dallas Mavericks fan, which makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. First, real quick background, if, if you're wondering, I was born in Orlando, moved to Dallas when I was a young kid, didn't know who to root for. So I've just stuck with the inconsistent or in uh, indecision my whole life and just chose both. So 
Um, for tonight's game, I think there's a few things. One, the Mavs have had this game plan, one of their absolute strategies. It's burned them a lot. You might remember it in the playoffs against Phoenix. Um, and then also even in the regular season, if you've watched a lot of Mavs basketball for whatever reason on an Orlando Magic podcast, I, I think what you might remember is Ish Wainwright had a game where he made five threes because it was Luca's man. But what he did was he just watched him. And I think that happened even last year when KD was one of his first games as a son. They played the Mavs and they do this thing all the time where they, they're like, just beg him and dare him to shoot. They tried that with Anthony Black. What they didn't know is actually Anthony Black's not that bad of an open shooter. I know the the numbers are like mediocre, but like when you put in perspective, like it, when he's actually open, he is a decent shooter. Like he he right. has the touch. It's something that we do all project for him to eventually grow into. So I think that was something that really burned them. And I'm surprised that they didn't really adapt to it. They didn't really adapt to Anthony Black. They kind of figured out ways just to go, it's fine. And in a way it worked because in the second half, you didn't really do anything on the offensive end. But um, on the first half, I mean, he's a massive reason, if not the very biggest, honestly, that the lead was so big at halftime. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had a, I had a, had a tweet in the, at halftime and it said something along the lines of like, Paulo's 21 years old. Anthony Black is 19 years old. They're both the leading scorers of this game uh, or for the Magic at 22 points for Paulo. And I think at that point, Anthony Black had 16 points. Um, maybe. Yeah, I think he had 16 points at, at the halftime. And it's just like, it's just pretty cool thinking about uh, the effects that that Anthony Black can have on this team. Um, you know, most of the time when we when we think about him, it's it's for his defense, right? You know, he's he's already playing defense at a really high NBA level. I mean, obviously he's got Im- improvements to do there, but but that's what keeps him on the floor. That's why you know Coach Mosley consistently will bring him on, um, you know, as a replacement player when someone's missing, kind of in one through three, right? Um, but but tonight you see him. You know, got that beautiful spin move at the end of the the, the second and uh, the right corner was just like phenomenal. Taking that nice mid drive, um, you know, hitting a couple open threes. It was just like a really solid, um, really solid game for Black. I mean, sorry, not a couple. He hit four for four from three. Like he had a perfect game from there. And so it was just like really fun. And you're right. You know, they adjusted for that in the second half. He wasn't able to find his offensive rhythm as much. Um, you know, they, they, they made the right adjustments for Anthony Black. When you when you see a game like this from Anthony Black and you also just see like how coaches used Anthony Black throughout the season, is it sort of how you like I want to take this back a little bit. I know we we were gonna focus just mostly on this game for a moment, but I, I wanna kinda like take it back for a second. Like you're a draft like expert you you come on my show two or three times a year as we lead up to the draft to talk uh draft stuff and you know educate us what were your thoughts on anthony black um then and, and kind of how have they changed now halfway through the season yeah two things first of all i mean this in the nicest way but isn't it nice that i don't have to come on here and talk draft now like I obviously I'd love, to, I'd love to be on your show more <laughs> but like is it not nice that we don't have to worry about like in the middle of january go all right, who's the next pick? You know, like it's yeah, really exactly. refreshing to say, well, what's going to happen in the playoffs instead of, uh, you know, knock on wood so far. 
We might not even have a first round pick to talk about this year, potentially. Yep. I mean, we could, but I mean, we, you <laughs> know, the, the chances are we are, but, but, and, and, and we will have you on the show to talk about that pick. We will. That's just Absolutely. tradition at this point. But yes, Absolutely. it's refreshing to not be like, like, uh, chasing the bottom. Yep. So with Anthony Black, I was a huge fan of him. I warmed up to him later in the process. So he's from DFW, Dallas, Fort Worth, which is also, I'm 100% convinced. That was a big part of him hitting those open threes. Like he came out with a mission. His family was, uh, I know the family section, his family was all there. They were all there for the game and he wanted to show out and he absolutely did. I mean, I think he had 20 points, right? Correct. I mean, that was insane. And with him at Arkansas, the shooting was always a concern. And honestly, even before then, I thought the shooting and turnovers were something that really worried me. And I was like, he's not ready to contribute right away because of those two things. How's he going to stay on the floor? But then I started watching his defense and just, I think, watching even him in space at Arkansas, which in college isn't easy to come by because the crowd, the court is so crowded. Like you have two bigs. They, they play a very still outdated system when you watch the NBA. And Anthony Black was always going to be struggling, not only offensively, I thought because he had to adapt to NBA spacing, but defensively, I didn't think he was strong enough to really handle these guys. But I mean, he is staying in guys' grills. And I think that's huge. So for me, I, I expected him to be the defensive guy. The playmaking hasn't been as high level as I thought it would be uh, in terms of volume. The jump shot is better than I thought. Like the jump shot I thought was so far away. The form never looked great, but the form hasn't really changed. He just seems to have gotten more reps and more confidence. So clearly what if it's not broken, don't fix it. It's just something he might need more reps at. So ultimately though, I've been super impressed. Yeah, it's it's been refreshing. I understood why the magic made that pick there. Um, you know, and and, and I don't know if we'll get into like we might get into this later, but like pick eleven was kind of weird. But 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 Anthony Black at six made a lot of sense for for multiple reasons, and we kind of saw it tonight. You know, like Fultz is resting. You know, for 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 maintenance, right? You know, he's got a got an injury history, so it, it, drafting a point guard long term outlook isn't the worst thing in the world, in my opinion. That's got size at six seven. Back to the game tonight, he obviously had a really big impact on the first half, right? You know, like you said, I think the Magic were, were leading at the, at the halftime around 16 points. Um, you know, Paula was going off. And then the Magic just had this 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 third quarter collapse, right? We, we learned that Jonathan Isaac, who started the game, did not come back. Coach uh, admitted in postgame, I was listening to it, um, you know, in, in between us starting recording in the game. And he admitted that it was, you know, they're thinking long-term. It wasn't, he wasn't feeling great at the halftime, um, you know, or at least well enough to come back. So they said, you know what, let's not force it. You know, we're thinking long-term with J.I. Um, he won't play in the second half, um, you know, and, and then, so that's that's where you see like bumped up minutes for Mo Wagner. Um, you know, Cole Anthony's playing a lot more. Uh, Paulo hits almost forty minutes. There's just there's a lot a lot of tweaks going on there to make up for Jonathan Isaac's you know potential eight eight minutes or so that he was going to play. But but outside of that, it was just an awful third quarter. The the Magic couldn't hit a shot. I think they went like six minutes without hitting a shot um, offensively before Mo Wagner started hitting a couple of threes. When you look at that third quarter, like, was it the was it the Mavericks making the adjustments that caused them to win it that bad, or was it the Magic failing to make the right adjustments to slow the bleeding down a little bit? Like, kind of like, how do you view that? And and like, 
whose fault was it? You know, like in a sense. Yeah. It, it was a little bit of both. I would say it's like 60-40. The Mavs went to his own defense and it, what it did was it forced the Magic to con- take one of two things. The, the Mavs knew they were bad. The Magic are not a good three-point shooting team. So either you're going to go towards the holes, which are generally the corners in the zone, and you're going to take those shots. And now we saw some of that with Anthony Black, but they they tinkered with it a little bit, and they didn't leave it exactly as open as they did in the first half. They forced the Magic to take contested shots at the rim, which a few of them, actually not even all of them were contested. The Magic blew some open layups. I mean, there were a good amount of times where I was like, okay, they're clearly on a back-to-back because – you watch some of these layups, and last night they made them. This tonight on the road back to back, they they didn't. And I think that was part of it too, was just a little bit of tired legs caught up to them. But it kind of, I, I say that, but at the same time, like they got pretty hot from three at times in the fourth quarter, like Franz Wagner mostly. But still, like it was, it was very much that. I, I think Orlando just didn't find a way to creatively put a hole into the zone. And I think that's ultimately what did it. They, they kind of played into the Mavs' hand. I think it cost him a little bit. But also with Isaac, like not how, it, he was the difference of the game. And also, just to paint a picture in the standings, the Magic and Heat have the same record. They had it going into the night. Now they're both 24 and 23. The Pacers are 27 and 20. This would have been a great opportunity to close that gap between, I mean, that's the 8-7, 6 seed. The Magic, because of tiebreakers, are the 8 seed. The Magic could have been 25 and 22, which is two games behind the Pacers. And if you're two games behind the Pacers, you're two games away from getting a buy from the play-in. So obviously it's early, but those things do add up. And if they are one game short, we're going to point to this and go, well, honestly, if Jonathan Isaac had been playing, the Magic probably don't lose that. Yeah, I mean... I. Nightly, I'm looking at the the game recaps and and just seeing who in the East is winning and who in the East is is losing and and how is that adjusting our our standings with them. You know, there was a while there about two weeks ago where we were had a much bigger gap and we were like solidly in eighth place, but then Miami started going on this big losing streak and we've we've caught up right and and that's with us winning just a couple of games in like a two or three week period. Um, but yeah, you, you know, Jonathan Isaac had such a big effect on that starting on that on that first half. You know, he started the game. He they they did a Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner at the two, Paulo Bencaro, Jonathan Isaac, and Wendell Carter Jr. And it was just big. You know, they, Dallas uh, countered by going small by entering entering uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. into the starting lineup, um, and and it it worked. Uh, like I like I mentioned at the start, the Magic won. Three out of the four quarters, they even won the fourth quarter, um, you know, and a lot of that was contributed to that first half with with the size and just how they attacked um, and just stifled the Mavericks offense. Granted, Luke is fucking incredible. Like, we can just be real. That guy is, he is on a heater right now. I think he's averaging like 39 or 40 points per game over the last like five games or something like that. It's pretty insane. Do, do you know it off the top of your head or, or, I think or quickly? I think it might it's, be 45. I mean, it's, it's insane, dude. It's, it's like in the 40s. It is insane. I mean, tonight he had uh, Doncic. He, he had, had 45. 45. In, he had 40. Wow. He, he had 45. <laughs> it's wild, right? Too. Paula had 36. So, you know, that's that's fun. Um you know, ultimately the Magic lose this one. It, it they 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 dug themselves too much into a hole in that third quarter, in my opinion. Like yep. 
when you're kind of looking back at the second half and and that 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 fourth quarter ending, is there anything else that you would kind of contribute? There was some ref complaining. There was some other little things. You know, Wendell Carter, Carter Jr., a couple others were in foul trouble half the game. Like, what what are some of your like final thoughts to kind of wrap up this this conversation on on the Mavericks versus the Magic? Yeah, so uh, I think. I didn't at the in the moment think like that, that anything was super egregious um, at all during the refing. I, I know there's a whole thing Jalen Suggs on the hot mic. There's some questionable, I guess, things, but like ultimately, I feel like I hate this phrase because like it's some I don't know. Like I, I see both sides of it, but like the Magic were putting themselves in tough situations where it's like how how are you going to give the ref the benefit of the doubt? Both teams were doing this a lot, but they were grabbing the arms, like not not yeah. the wrist. It was like up here. I guess that was a bad angle, but like up here, literally towards the bicep. Like, how are you going to get away with that? Like, if it's the hand wrist, like you can probably squeeze that by because that's a little bit tough to distinguish in live time. But they just didn't really. I, I don't know. I, I think they were a little bit overly physical. They tried being incredibly physical with one uh, with excuse me, Derek Lively. Obviously, that resulted in. Cole Anthony fouling him the four to make three, which I've never heard before. But that was wild. But that Wendell Carter flagrant was a huge swing because it gave, even though it was only two points, Mavs won by two points. Correct. So I think the physicality, it had its pros and its cons. I think early in the first half, the Mavs really did not counter that at all. They were kind of just thrown off by how much they were getting hacked and, or not like hacked, that's the wrong word, but like, you know, just like the magic pushed back. And I don't think the Mavs expected that. So I think eventually just the tables turned and Orlando wasn't prepared. Yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of that. I mean, you know, if 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 coach makes some different adjustments in the fourth to be or in the third to be able to to combat that zone a little bit better, you know, and, and even score four more points, that that's a that's a win. Um, if if the fourth quarter stays the same as it was, but um, they, they dug themselves too deep into a hole. Uh, they, they couldn't make the, the right adjustments get the right stops at the very end or, or force the right turnovers to, to kind of maintain the lead that they had a couple of times. The the fourth quarter went back and forth between who was having the lead based on who was making that three pointer. I mean, Franz went into the game, into the fourth. I think I tweeted, there was like eight, nine minutes left and he had only had like seven shot attempts and had like eight points or something like that. You know, Franz ends with, with going th- three of six from three. I think all three of those threes were in the fourth quarter, um, you know, and, and 21 points, you know, he had an awesome fourth quarter and it was just, it was back and forth, but you know, ultimately not enough, very frustrating loss. Um, for to start a start a road trip but but ultimately you know it's like long road trip this is the first of five games they're they got the spurs they have um who's on who's on this road trip i got the schedule somewhere but it's they have the spurs they have yeah they hold on i'm just gonna pull up the schedule because i don't want to be i got it right in front of me so it's san antonio yep minnesota detroit and they end back home pretty much with miami yeah, yeah. So it's it's a it's a long road trip, right? You know, like you said, the Texas gauntlet. Um, you got Minnesota, which is a tough team. They're kind of in a little bit of a rut right now, but they're they're a tough team. Um, you know, if this Magic team can go two and three or three and two, that would be good. I would hate them to go any worse than three, two and three. Hopefully, hopefully we can get an extra win in there and go three and two. That'd be nice for this Magic roster. Um, 
All right, man. So let's kind of move on past this individual game. The Magic right now, as you mentioned earlier, they are 24 and 23, tied with Miami for seventh in the East, um, you know, trying to get up to that sixth spot, uh, you know, and, and secure some better standings in the playoff race. The Magic started off this season just super hot. You know, one of the best teams in the East. I think around the quarter time, they were sitting in like a fourth or fifth spot, um, you know, with the top three defense in the league. They've, they've, they've done all right defensively. They've had some slippages here and there, but ultimately I think they're still sitting around five. Um, and then, you know, we kind of know what happened in December and January. Injuries up and down. What are your overall thoughts on this team? Just like kind of at this little bit of the halfway point right now. Yeah, I mean, all things considered, if you had, if, you know, I had told you, hey, they're going to be the eight seed in the East a few games after the halfway point, like, I think everyone would be pretty happy with that, especially given that they're one game over 500. Like, that I think is the most impressive part. Like, if you look at what their record is when everyone's healthy, I mean, it, it really comes down to a few things. One, did Franz Wagner play? And two, did Jonathan Isaac play? Like, when it comes down to yeah. that, you're not going to have many off nights. Like it's natural in an 82 game season. Sometimes you have the duds, like you got to move on from those, but overall the identity is there and it keeps them in the games in so many different times. I've been just extremely impressed. I, I do think it shapes the future a little bit weird because I mean, just, I, I want to say it was during the winning streak. Actually, is that is the Atlanta game in Mexico city during that? Or that, is that like moments before that, was, like that was right, right before. before. Yeah. So I remember that's when Anthony Black kind of started getting like real minutes. It was right around then. And then they went on the winning streak. And I think stuff like that makes me wonder, well, okay, I think Markel Fultz, I don't think he played for a lot of that, if I'm not mistaken. He, Markel Fultz was out on game f- after game five. And he yeah. did not, him and Wendell both were not a part of the big winning streak. That's right. So I, I forgot Wendell was out for it. I, Fultz, it just feels like it's honestly any given time. Um, which is unfortunate, but I think the thing that it's interesting for me is it goes, well, we just did all this. Most of this has been done without Markel Fultz, who is an expiring contract. Is the time up? And, and it's a tough question because I think if you ask most magic fans, we all like him. We all wish he was a little bit better at shooting, but I think he's a very likable guy. He's not somebody who you're scapegoating at any point, anything like that. So I am curious what they do with the trade deadline because they've proven they can win without him. Can they get anything in return? Is it enough? Can they package him and Wendell? I am very curious of what the future looks like. But overall so far, I've been very impressed. Like they've won games with defense and they've used their identity that they've built over the last couple of years to turn it into. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
the tangible results. Yeah, I mean, you you bring up a lot of really good points there, and like I think one of the ones I want to like hit on is like you know their defense. We we see them when they play good defense, it often translates to good offense, you know, because they're able to like get a stop, push it in transition before the the opponents are able to like get get their defense set. Um, it it helps them find their rhythm, even if like they are getting their you know even if you know an opponent scores scores on them like. And they're, but if they're still playing a high enough defense, just in general, it just gives them like the confidence to play a little bit better offensively, in my opinion, where on games when the defense isn't there, the offense often isn't there either. And, and that's just kind of like a theme I see. Um, yeah, man, you mentioned the, 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 the Markel Fultz thing, man. Like I was just having this conversation with a couple of people in, in one of my group chats, shout out, uh, Pat and Remy, um, where like, Marco Fultz seems like a really solid human being, seems like a good teammate that everyone likes, really high basketball IQ, good defender, not a great defender. He probably would never make an all-NBA team but or all-defensive team, but, but you know, definitely better than average and I think a pretty effective defender. Um, you know, Obviously, smart decision-maker with the ball in his hands, very talented at getting to the rim too. But the fit and the availability have always been – the the question mark with him around like the shooting is that going to be um is that going to be a good fit next to Paulo and Franz and, and then you have the, just the availability if if you're not available it's hard to be relying on so I'm interested to see kind of what they do with around the point guard whether it's moving him or just kind of letting him expire into the summer as they potentially target someone else it's going to be really interesting do you have any um like people at the deadline you kind of like granted we're just fantasizing here, but do you have anyone like if you could make a call and that trade might work out like that you would go make the call for? It's such a boring trade. I, I have one guy who I Let's like. Let's hear it. Let's Let hear me, it. Before I put the name on there, because you're just going to turn, you're going to go really, dude, really, Richard, like you're going to, you're going to think it's stupid. But if you, if I make the sales pitch first, it actually sounds a little bit intriguing. So I want this big man who is not a rim protector. He's not, not a good defender. Just putting that out there. But he shoots, he passes, and he's extremely efficient at the rim. Any, I'll let you guess one guess who you think this is. It's a bench player, but Christian Wood. No, God, no, no, no. I did that once okay. in Dallas. I don't want that ever again. Okay. No, it is Kelly Olynyk actually in Utah. Okay. Who, yeah, who you could that. do almost a straight one for one. I mean, they're like five million apart, but I think both teams are in flexible cap positions, and they're both expiring deals. Yeah, I just ran the trade machine. Completely works. Uh, Fultz helps with Utah getting a point guard. Some people say they don't need him in Utah. Some people would I've talked to have said, yeah, that would be a good fit. Really depends. I think it's something where it's like Markel Fultz is the younger player. That really depends on what the Jazz want. Do they see Kelly Olenek as even a playoff rotation player? Could Fultz be one instead of Chris Dunn, for example? Tough to say. That's really what it comes down to. But I really love the idea of uh, of. Mark L. Fultz for Kelly Olenek. I feel like I had someone else, but I just that's the one I I keep coming back to. I I I keep looking at uh Mo Wagner, right? And we see him in the in the rotation a lot. And you know, he's our scoring big off, off the off the bat you know, off the bench, and it's just like you see the moments in these little sections where it's like, wow, his energy that he is just giving a hundred percent is really 
helping this game. He's grabbing a couple key rebounds. Like I look at the Suns game the other night, right? And you know that fourth quarter run where JI and him were just kind of dominating is like yes, obviously JI gets the crown for that moment, but but Mo Wagner was really huge there. I think he had like five offensive rebounds, which is not the norm for him. Um he actually had a pretty bad scoring like efficiency night that night. But it's like you look at him and that's just like an easier easy upgrade that you can have there like because he's not really a great passer he's he, he's inconsistent with his scoring because his shooting from deep isn't very good there and he started off finishing at the rim this this year like really high level but that's like trailed off recently as well so I'm like I see your path with the Kelly Olenek kind of as that Mo Wagner replacement in my opinion at least that's how I would fit him into the rotation I'm I'm still of the believer of like Okay, yeah, we definitely can improve the bench rotation with the bigs, but I'm still like, yeah, he's got an injury history, but let's go check out Malcolm Brogdon. You know, um, if if we could do Markel Fultz, give that team a little bit of cap flexibility um, where they could maybe overpay for some vets this summer, um, you know, and then and then we get Malcolm Brogdon, who, yes, has some injury issues, but he's been relatively healthy the last two seasons. Um and he can play on off ball, good defender, got some size, um, but you're not like stuck with him long term. Kind of gives like another bridge gap year for for Anthony Black to kind of play underneath him, and he can you know Malcolm Brogdon can start or come off the bench. Like that's kind of like my boring trade too. Um, but but obviously, who knows what's going to happen with this front office? I really have no idea. Um. Man, so like this team has a lot of holes to fill, in my opinion, right? There's there's some bench questions with the bigs. Um, there's point guard questions long term. There's there's just overall bench improvement. Um, and I want to just like kind of pause there and like I'm talking about Cole Anthony because he is a key player for this bench unit. Um, he has just been up and down this year. Starts off really well. That like that stretch of games where where the Magic were just winning those first like twenty five games or so. Um, he and Joe Ingles and and Mo Wagner are like like I think the Magic had one of the best scoring benches in the league at that point in time. But all of a sudden he has just not been himself. Um, granted he was dealing with some injury there, but like Richard, what are your thoughts on Cole Anthony? Is just this is this just the player he is like and should expect going forward? No, I don't think so. I think the flashes we got early in the season were pretty real. I mean, heading into tonight, if you split the season into two halves, I mean, he was he was pretty pretty dang good. I mean, up until around Christmas, he was killing it. And like I think he had the real role. Uh, there wasn't as much redundancy for a lot of it. He didn't have faults. Anthony Black was just kind of the clear-cut third guard, but now it's almost like 1A, 1B kind of two and in the two can change or the one B can change a lot of nights. It really does feel like that. So I, I don't know. I, I go back and forth of what his real fit is with this team. And that is concerning, but just looking at like, this is how I saw it. This is like the first half he was good. And the first half of him being good, I should say of the season. And then the second half has been pretty rough first 26 games. And it's not an even split 15 points a game, four rebounds, three and a half assists on 46% shooting. But then you break it off right there and things go south. This is heading into tonight. The next 19 games, I mean, it's pretty brutal. Nine points a game, four rebounds, two and a half assists on 37.5%. 
25% from three, but this was really the first good game that he's had since the Knicks game, I would say. And that was obviously an important one to him. I feel like he plays hard against the Knicks every single time because his dad and everything. But yeah. Nicole, look, he if he played like tonight where the scoring wasn't that impactful, but he I think he really impacted the game a lot as a playmaker, making his teammates better. And that's the stuff I know he's capable of doing. Cutting the streakiness is the next step for him. And everything he's done in his career has pointed to saying he's going to do it because at the beginning of his career, he wasn't that aggressive. He didn't have the confidence. He got it. He got better as a shooter. He got better as a playmaker. He did what he needed to do. Like that's in his control. I don't think he can really do much for himself defensively, but everything else I do think there is a lot of promise for. And because of that, I think this is something where the consistency will get ironed out, especially as he gets older. I'd love to see Orlando keep him and not just sell him because he's an awkward fit for 2024. Hopefully, I think there's ways to clear out that fit and make him a clear cut, either six man of the year or I don't. I think that is the outcome. Actually, I, I wouldn't start him. I a couple thoughts there. I mean, one, he they, he just signed a, a three year contract extension. I think he's definitely on this team next year. You know, I think maybe the year or two after there could be some question marks, but I I, I doubt they would give him an extension and trade him before the extension even kicks in. That would just kind of be a little weird, in my opinion. Um. But but when I think about him and his his streakiness as we've been talking is is I, I I think of Cole and we often think of this guy who makes you know tough shots from from behind the arc um, but but I often like feel like those shots can be ill advised and he hasn't been making tough ones recently and I I wonder if the balance for him to become more consistent is like just making better shot decisions from like when to take a three versus like when to drive because he is quite a good finisher at the basket um you know and and can get to drawing flat fouls like he's he's a good player in the paint like you know is that something that also resonates with you yeah i mean the getting to the paint stuff is something where like he very clearly has the athleticism to get there it's what does he do when he's when he's there because i don't I don't have the stats in front of me now, but like, does he draw that many fouls? I feel like the answer is no. Like, and I, I maybe he does sometimes, but like, I feel like it's a once and a half. Like at most, he's, he's yeah. getting a couple. He's not so, a big time uh, a foul, you know, grabber. Like, I mean, tonight he right. had seven, um, but but you know, seven free throw attempts. But like, I, I, that's not. I don't think that's the norm for him. And again, I don't have the stats either, but. I just feel like it helps him find his rhythm when he's able to like go and make a bat, like go and make a close yeah. basket instead of like yep. just settling for like the, the weird three pointer that's early in the shot clock or something like that. Yep. You know, it's that's where I think he gets in trouble is just settling a little too soon into the shot clock for shot clock for a three. Um, okay. So we've talked a little bit about, like trade deadline. We've talked a little bit about Cole Anthony, the second unit. Um, one thing that we know this team struggles with is shooting, right? Um, on a consistent, granted, tonight's a weird night to talk about it. We hit 48% from three, but normally this team is not a good three point shooting team. Uh, we, we've seen, we've had some moments here and there with, with, with Chuma and, and Caleb Houston kind of going off, helping that second unit, you know, Paulo Boncaro started at, you know, you know, he he's an improved shooter this year. He's might have settled around a little bit, but at one point he was shooting three at 40, like 40%. Um, but 
we drafted this guy named Jed Howard. I'm, I'm turning the conversation, and I know I didn't prep you for this, but we drafted this gentleman named Jed Howard, um, who is lighting up the G League. He is playing. He just got named player of the game tonight when he was playing for the Osceola Magic. He had 26 points um, you know, with three rebounds and four assists. I don't have his stats off the top of my head, but it feels like he's shooting a pretty darn high volume of three um, and and getting a decent clip of them in, I think maybe around like 37%. If I had to guess, that's where I feel like I last read it. And maybe you have the stats as you were pulling them up as I was, I was talking about this. So I have, I have, I'm going to, before I pass it off to you, I want to, I want to give you two questions. One is, you know, same question I asked about Anthony Black. What did you think about Jed Howard uh, back then? What did you think, of, you know, during the draft process? Were you surprised that we picked him? And what do you think about him now? That's question one. The second question is a lot of Magic fans are frustrated that he's basically only playing in the G League and not at all contributing to the main club at a high level at, 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 in any capacity. Like, what is also your thought around that? Yeah, good question. So for first one, I would say... I, I didn't think Jet was the guy I would have anticipated. I should have known better given that he went to Michigan and like the, the affinity that Orlando has for Michigan players. Uh, I should have known. But I, I was torn. I didn't like his decision-making, and I really didn't like anything away from his catch-and-shoot game. There's a little bit of like off-the-dribble upside, but for me, I, I would have gone Grady Dick, but at this point, to wash like Grady Dick has, has barely contributed in the NBA. So for me, I, I personally don't mind jet sitting in the G league. I do think there are games where it's like, okay, Joe Ingles is out. For example, Caleb Houston's not playing or he might be playing. What if Caleb Houston's off, which isn't like some, you know, rare feat. Like he, he's been a little bit streaky at times this year. Would it hurt to have jet Howard? Absolutely not. Ultimately, though, I do think the G League is really good for him. I think it's, it gets him acclimated into making quick decisions all the time as a shooter, and that's something that he's going to have to do in the NBA. So I, I don't hate it. There are definitely times where I'm like, well, the Magic needs shooting. How is he not up? Which is concerning. But entering this is entering Monday. I have his G League stats for all of uh, the G League season, both regular season and the showcase part of the season. He has a negative assist to turnover ratio, 33 to 42. Um, he is averaging, let me pull this up per game. So per game, he is averaging 20.9 points a game. That's on 46% shooting with 39% from three, 83% from the free throw line. Again, they, like, they only shoot like one free throw though, um, every time. So it's a little bit weird of a number. He doesn't do a whole lot of other things. So a little bit of rebounding, uh, you might be shocked into hearing he doesn't get many steals or blocks. and only two assists so ultimately he's he's been okay like but he's doing what he needs to do he has been making quick decisions sometimes the wrong ones but it's okay because they're growing pains and it's the g league and he's shooting very well so the hope is i think next year's you have him ready and that he's more of a draft and stash kind of approach than draft and play and put in the g league at times do you feel like as far as player development when you see these players getting you know, like this, this is a very long time for an NBA player to be assigned to the G League, but he's playing a role that is going to be like, if 
for instance, if he was playing in some of those moments when, you know, Caleb might be off and he's, okay, let's put Jed in for the second half of the game and see how he does. Like, it's a different role than what he has in the G League where he can be a lot more on ball and make those decisions. Like, like he's got an expanded role right now, right? Like, he's on ball a lot more. Um, If he were playing with the Magic right now, he'd probably just kind of be more of like a catch and shoot kind of guy and and not a decision maker like as much as he is right now. Do you do you think as a, for player development that this expanded role that is different than how he would be utilized is good for him long term? Yeah, I think so. I think it's one of the things a misconception I've seen with draft scouting is that like you should only be doing what you're going to do in game kind of thing. It's like a Michael Jordan I think said something like that where it's like only practice what you're going to do in game. And I actually don't agree with that in this day and age. I think having the ability to like play you have to do everything in this nba no matter what you do you have to do everything unless you are an extremely specialized veteran at this point you have to be able to do everything at any given time and because the whole thing with the nba i feel like is everybody is asked to do something every once in a while and obviously anything is not something uh, as we've all learned watching the magic broadcast they're not the same thing and i think for me it's just like you have to be able to get comfortable. What happens if you're coming off the screen, the defense stops you, there's seven seconds left on the shot clock. What do you do? And that's a very common play. Like that is not uncommon. It happens once a game right. for most shooters. So you have to be able to do that. And that's why getting those reps as many as possible helps happen where, okay, you're playing in the fourth quarter, seven seconds left on the shot clock with four minutes left in the game. You're down two. What you do is going to make a massive swing at this point. So he has to master that to make sure he's not becoming a liability. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And like these are reps that he's getting now that he likely would not be getting with with Orlando. Um, and it, it's I, I try and explain it, uh, you know, on Twitter sometimes, but it's just like it's. I think these thirty plus minutes a game he's getting right now is more valuable than than the the maybe ten minutes he would get every five games with the Magic. Like if that, you know, it's like I understand fans' frustrations of like. I want to see what they got. Um, but you know, it's I think we're doing okay. I couldn't help but think, wow, Derek Lively, pick twelve. He would look awesome in a fucking magic uniform right now with and but but we have Jed Howard who hasn't played a, a minute of NBA experience, you know, really. Um and, and 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 you got Derek Lively who has just been like crushing it for Dallas all all season, you know, and and uh should and and does get talked about pretty highly on a regular basis throughout the league so it's like a little bit of frustration there um but that's okay uh i i do have high hopes for jet that that he will be a good good gunner for this team uh in the near future and we'll see what happens at the trade deadline right you know there's always going to be opportunity there so um maybe that'll open up some minutes for him but anyways um we got a fun, exciting season coming up, right? You know, we we we're, we're halfway through a little bit more. Um, you know, Paulo's gotten a lot of love for for the All Star break that's coming up. It seems like he's going to be voted in by the coaches as an All Star. Uh, you know, we're going to be a playoff team. What are kind of like your thoughts for the second half of this year? Um, you know, that you're going to be looking for and hoping to see uh, with this Magic roster to to hopefully get them to a good playoff spot to to get that that next step of development for the main guys. 
Yeah, I'm I'm curious what happens with just really how their offense consistency looks. Like they've had some moments this year where I feel like they've looked like like you said at the be- earlier the beginning of the season, like their bench was remarkable. How do they find bench consistency going forward? Are they going to have to rely more on depth, more on Paolo and Franz? What do they do with that? And I'm just curious to see how far their offense goes because the offensive upside is actually very high with this team, despite I feel like what people think, given that like, you know, they don't have a lot of shooters. I think there's a lot of ways to counter that, at least in the regular season. In the playoffs, it might hurt. But also, if you get to the playoffs at this point, and I'm not talking playing game, like truly four game or sorry, seven game series, you've exceeded expectations. So I'm not worried about that. For me, it's just, I want to see what are the highest level flashes of offense they have going forward. Is it something that they've been doing all season? Is it something new? Is it lightning in a bottle? I think that's just, that's really what I'm looking for. I think the defense we all know at this point, as long as Jonathan Isaac is healthy, they're going to be fantastic. And even without him, they'll still be very good. But what happens to the offense the rest of the way? That's my main storyline I want to see. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's totally fair. We it it's pretty sound that we know that the defense should be consistent and it's like what can we do offensively because we have some powerhouses offensively in Franz and Paulo and 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 how do we utilize them and the rest of the team to can we be a uh, 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 like I think our defense our offense right now is like I'm I'm guessing but last time I looked like a few days ago I think we were on like 27 20 26 like could we get to 22, 21? We're at, at one point, I think earlier in the first quarter of the season, we were around 22 um, in the in the standings. Like, could we get there? Um, and, and, you know, even if we make the play in, like, I hope it's at least a spot where it has to be a double elimination and not, a, you know, you just win, yep. win one to move yep. on. Like, that would be game. That would be awesome for this team. Um, and, and you know, we'll see. I think ultimately the, the playoffs are going to be an all, a really good, really good development path for, for a lot of our, our young guys that have never been in a, a place like that. Even even guys like Jonathan Isaac, who were in it his, his first year, but, you know, or, or second year, I apologize, but, you know, haven't been in it since. So it's, it'll be good to kind of like get back there. I think that is the ultimate path to development. So, um, with that being said, I would be remiss. I want to wrap up our conversation with this. I'd be remiss. We do technically have a pick in this draft. <laughs> it it's it's probably if we keep it gonna be in that like sixteen to eighteen range, if I were to take a guess, right? You know, just outside the lottery. Um hmm. What are we looking at right now? What what are just yeah. give me a couple of thoughts. Give me like two or three players maybe I should keep an eye on. Yeah, Dalton Connect at Tennessee fits everything that you want, I think, on the wings right now in Orlando. I think it's the number one fit. He can come off screens. He's he's a guy who transferred from northern Colorado. Um, this is his third school. He transferred from a JUCO school before that, played a couple of years in northern Colorado. He's a fifth-year senior, I believe, at Tennessee. He is 6'6". He just had a 39-point game, 32. I can't. He had a 30-something point game. I think it was 39 against Florida. So um, I know Malik would not Let's be go. happy to hear that, but I think I think uh, he's somebody that like it's all very real. He can score very easily off of drives. It's nothing fancy. Shoot off the dribbles, spot up. He's somebody I really like. Another name I would look to. Um, look, I don't know where he's actually going to get drafted. A lot of these guys, the stock changes so much. It's early. Yeah, yeah Wilga we'll Wilga we'll Poplar at at Miami. 
he is really intriguing. He's about give or take six, five, one inch, give or take, um, plays on the wings, extremely athletic, really intelligent, plays defense, shoots off the dribble, uh, and spotting up can pass just really creative and also has like that really hard work ethic. I think he'd be great. That's awesome. I didn't I say a Michigan definitely... player, so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. We'll probably draft a Michigan player with at least a second, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. This is going to be a really interesting time because even if we like don't trade our picks, like, you know, it'll be interesting if they decide to draft two players, you know, unless they can convince, you know, the second rounder to to uh you know they're drafting him for a two-way spot it's just gonna be it's kind of gonna be a little bit of the same that we had this year if we draft two players because it's like where do they fit you know it's gonna be really hard for for this magic roster to continue unless they make some big consolidation trades to get these young guys on the floor that they're drafting um and and i'm not saying don't draft like you got to draft and it just means we have to adjust our expectations as a fan base like hey this guy might not hardly ever see the floor his rookie year you know kind of like what we're seeing with jet uh, but but it'll be interesting you know you, you you can't develop everyone all the time all at once as far as on court there's other paths to development so um you know thankful thankfully there's there's more paths to that with you know a third two-way spot and g league's getting you know more involved with the main club we're seeing that right now with jet howard so um it's going to be a really interesting time. And, and, you know, we're definitely going to do some more check-ins with you as we get closer to that time period. Um, it's still a fun, exciting season. You know, hopefully later this week, we're celebrating Paulo getting named an all-star reserve. We'll see. Um, as I mentioned, as I mentioned at the beginning, Richard, you are found just about ever. You're on Twitter or X. Uh, you are doing draft con- content now. Um, and, and you are also with the locked on podcast network. Um, I just want to first off say thank you for joining the show. Uh, give you an opportunity to just plug anything that you have going on right now. Um, yeah, yeah, man. Do you got anything exciting you want to throw out there? Yeah. I mean, uh, nothing super crazy coming up. Just a lot of scouting trips to individual games. Be going to a few places around the country in the coming months, but yeah, just more of the same locked on NBA big board as well as uh, MavsDrafts.com. I do a lot of the scouting features on there. And and what days are your uh, what days are locked on big board? And actually, so there's no set day anymore. Um, it's once a week though. Cool, awesome, love that, love that. Check out everything that Richard is doing at Mavs Draft on x or twitter whatever you refer to it as um go to mavsdraft.com check out his work and uh tune in to locked on nba big board with the locked on network richard i really appreciate you coming on fans thanks for tuning in for another episode let's go magic peace For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, 
ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.